Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third installment of the PSG Academy USA podcast. The third time's a charm, and this is going to be the best show yet. I'm confident about that. If you like college soccer, this is definitely the episode for you. I am joined today by a fellow called Daniel Radis, who is extremely passionate about college soccer. We'll get to him here in a moment, though. Folks, if you haven't tuned into our podcast yet, do feel free to go check out the first episode with the PSG Academy Technical Director, Benjamin Hori. We talked about what it means to play for PSG and what exactly that European methodology means. And then also follow that by listening to the episode with our nutritionist, Terrace. It's a great episode. Both of them have been totally different. And now this third episode is going to be totally different too. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome to the show, Daniel Radis, one of our coaches at the PSG Academy. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing very good. And yourself? I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm having a great time. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to chatting about college soccer because you and me were talking, you know, pretty extensively about it at the ID camps. And it's something, it's a topic that you're extremely knowledgeable and passionate about. And I can't wait to have you sharing uh, some of your knowledge with us here on the on the podcast. So I guess just to get right into it, what exactly do you do at the PSG Academy uh, USA campus? So I uh, I coach I currently coach the U19s and the UPSL team there up in the Central Broward Regional of Fort Lauderdale campus. Uh, I'm their coach, so I I help with the games, I help manage games, and at the same time with the players that I have on my team, I try to be as informative as possible as far as cottage. So. I am trying to place players on my team in the in the right college for each one. Yeah, you seem super passionate about college. So, could you just tell me a little bit about like where that stems from in you? I mean, have you always been super into to the college game? Because I'll be honest, up until maybe a year or two ago, I didn't really know much about it, and I didn't know just how massively important it is for a young soccer player, especially. Well, for me, uh, that's the reason I got a degree. Uh, I would have never went to college if. If it wasn't for college soccer, to be honest, that kind of that kind of pulled me in that direction. Um, I've always, like every other player uh, growing up, I always wanted to go pro. Um, I played for one of the top clubs or one of the top high schools, and uh, and it was always my passion. I want to go pro. I want to go pro. I want to go pro. And at the age of 17, 18, I wasn't going pro. I wanted to keep on playing soccer. I didn't want to just stop or play in any rinky-dink little league. So. Um, I was recruited by several universities, but I ended up picking a university down in Miami called St. Thomas University. I was able to play college soccer. It helped pay most a lot of my education. I was able to go through it and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, towards the end of my college soccer career, I got into coaching, um, and that's where I started. But college soccer is the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now. So college soccer kind of, I don't want to say saved my life, but it kind of uh, it gave me direction in life. And, and I really appreciate that. And all I want to do is extend that to, I want, I want every player to, to feel that. I want every player to, to know that college soccer is a real thing and college soccer is something that, that not only brings you the joy of playing soccer, but at the end of the day, you end up with a degree. You know, it's killing two birds with one stone. And, and that's what I preach. And that's what I want my players to understand. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's, it's so obvious that you're extremely well-versed in, in the world of, of college soccer. And it's, I didn't know that you, you, you like uh, played in it either as well. That's interesting. So you played in it and now you're kind of uh, an instrumental force in the coaching side of it, of, you know, encouraging and helping players get into it. So, you know, the scene really well, the college soccer scene, just before we kind of tie it back into the PSG Academy, could you tell me a little bit about 
the college soccer scene, a lot of us don't really know much about it yet because I feel like it's it's exploding now into a level of popularity that it maybe hasn't always been at. So can you just walk me through what the college soccer scene is, is actually like? It, it, the, the college soccer scene, it's very it's very competitive. Uh, the, the, the players, that, the student athletes that play in college soccer, um, the, one, the one thing about soccer itself when it comes to college is it's probably the most competitive amongst all sports, um, when, amongst all different divisions, right? So when you think of a college football, when you think of basketball, when you think of things like that, usually the higher the division, division one, the better the team, right? And the reason why is because the United, everybody in the, like when it comes to college, when it comes to football, when it comes to basketball, uh, the best players that play those sports are in the United States of America. And, and, and then when you get out of the United States of America, it, 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 the level drops drastically, right? So, so there's a small pond to pick from. So the best players that are in the United States of America always go to the top universities. Like there's, there's no, and then there's nowhere else to grab from. So when you start going down the divisions from NCAA Division One to Division Two to Division Three to NAI to junior colleges, the, the the level goes down drastically with most of their sports because they're only picking from the United States of America when it comes to top tier players. When it comes to soccer, the college landscape is very, very different where you could have schools that are in the NAIA beat schools that are in NCAA Division One, And the reason why is because we're picking from the whole world. It's not just in the U.S. And there is enough players in this whole world to make every team in college soccer a good, a good soccer team. Um, and then depending on what each player around the world is looking for, what where they want to go, what city they want to go to, like I can get a player... Uh, to a college coach in Miami that coaches at a small university can get a player to go there. Players from around the world want to be in Miami. That's just an example. So each market has each way of, of, of recruiting players where each team can be a very good team. So the landscape when it comes to soccer is extremely competitive. Uh, players that are coming into our leagues across all different divisions are players from around the world that just a lot of times they just want to leave their country. They want a better opportunity for their families. And they, they tend to come to the U S for that, to get an education. And then some, some of those players are, are still trying to go pro. So they're from their country. They come at the age of 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And they know that they can't go pro anymore. And instead of working right away, they're like, you know what? I'm going to go to the United States of America. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to continue my soccer career. And maybe if I can make it pro, so the college landscape in the U.S. is very, very competitive, and it's a really, really good one. Yeah, it sounds like it. So where does PSG Academy fall into this? So we just had our first college AD camp, and um, it was very successful. We had over 60 players show up. Uh, a lot of them, I'll, I'll probably say not most of them, but a lot of them from PSG. More than Yeah, more than half of them were from PSG. And the, organ, the way it was set up, the way it was ran, um, the way we were able to do it was in, in such an awesome way where it's starting to show that PSG is also opening its wings to, to not only pro, but like you said, cottage, right? Um, out of the 60 players that we had there, more than 25% of those players have already been contacted by universities that attended uh, the PSG camp, which is a very, very good number. Uh, PSG is definitely starting to, to understand the importance of, of cottage soccer, which I love, and to understand that that's another route that players can take. And like I said before, it's not... Your, your pro career does not end. Your, your goal of making a pro or your dream of making a pro does not end when you join college soccer. The path through college soccer to pro is a real one in the United States. 
where a lot of the players that play pro uh, do go through college. So PSG also realizes that as well. Just because one of their players or a player goes to college does not mean that player is not going pro. Uh, now, worst case scenario, the player doesn't go pro but goes to college. I mean, worst case scenario, you end up with a college degree. And PSG is, is, is understanding that very well. Yeah, I would say so. That uh, ID Camps event was was really a great um, great one to be a part of. Could you just walk me through what the ID Camp kind of was and what sort of opportunities were given to those players? So an, an ID Camp uh, is kind of like it's kind of like a job fair, right? Um, where where you go and you, and you you see all different kind of jobs and all different opportunities and you and you just want to get your foot in those doors, right? You want to get hired by these jobs. So what an ID camp is is like the soccer version of that going into college soccer. That's what a college ID camp is. So um, for example, the way we set it up was there was six uh, coaches from six different universities. Um, we split the we split the players up into four different groups. Uh, for the first hour of the ID camp, the players. Uh, for, they had 15 minutes of each coach. So they rotated through each coach for 15 minutes and they did a simple training session with each coach. So they were able to learn each coach. They were able to, to understand a session of each coach. They were able to, to ask questions and to, and to understand how each coach coaches from each university. Uh, from there, we broke up into very, a small-sided 7v7 game where now the coaches were coaching different teams and they were also watching their players play in a small-sided game. And if we all know about 7v7 games is you cannot hide in those games. Like um, you're going to touch the ball a lot. You're going to make a lot of passes. You're going to take a lot of shots. Goalkeepers are going to make a lot of saves. Uh, so 7v7 tends to be a good idea. So so you're not hidden. Uh, where in an 11v11 game, there's sometimes where you we won't see you. A college coach won't see you for a lot of the game. In 7v7, we're going to see you the whole time. Uh, the college coaches will see you. So the second hour was geared towards uh, college coaches each having different teams. So they're getting tactical now, right? So the college coaches are teaching each player what they want from tactics, what they should be doing. Uh, so the players are now learning college coaches at a different level. Um, from that, we went into a question and answers. Uh, we did a panel where all the coaches sat down on the table and parents and, and, parents and, and players were able to ask questions and get basically as much information as possible so that they are well-versed and understand more about college soccer. Uh, from there, we took a lunch break. When we came back from the lunch break, we went straight to 11 versus 11. Coaches were paired up. They had teams of 11 versus 11, uh, four different teams, and, and we were now able to watch each player in their natural habitat, right? Now we're able to see it exactly if, uh, if a college coach is looking for a right back. They're, they're looking at all the right backs that are playing there. And if there's a right back that that college coach is interested in, that college coach will eventually approach that right back. So now we're seeing each player in their natural habitat in their positions. And like I said, we had about 60, uh, maybe 65 players and we had six college coaches. So that's a huge ratio of, of college coaches to players, which makes it that much more personable and which makes it that much better for these players to be seen by colleges. So basically all players are doing is they're coming in and they're playing soccer and they're building relationship with coaches. And hopefully at the end of it, they get contacted by the coaches. The same way in a job for hopefully at the end of it, that job that you're, that you're looking for contacts you. It seems like along with being sort of similar to a like college job fair of sorts, it was definitely a learning experience too. Players learned a lot about the college soccer atmosphere, like the listeners are today. And then the coaches learned a lot about the PSG Academy players. Was there anything that you learned at those elite ID camps? PSG players are on the right path of, of, of being looked at by universities. Um, the college, all the college coaches that I spoke to, all of them are my friends. Uh, 
and when we spoke afterwards, they loved the way the, that, that it was organized. Uh, they all asked if you ever do it again, if we could please invite them back. Um, so I learned that they're capable of playing college soccer for the most part. Um, uh, they showed well. Yeah, it, it made me happy. It, it, they showed resilience. They showed uh, they showed endurance. They showed things that you're supposed to be showing. They showed personality. Um, some of them were laughing with coaches. Some of them were building relationship in that aspect. So not only on the field, but off the field. Uh, whenever I looked around, there was there was relationships being had with with PSG players. So I was very happy. I was very happy for a PSG turnout. Oh, same, and and I got to watch a lot of the games that day too. And I'm not a coach or anything, so I don't really know how to gauge talent all that well. But it did seem like the level that day was was quite high, and I think that's a, that's a credit to the academy for sure. But just to sort of veer back to the colleges, I know there was obviously, you know. Jacksonville University was there, a D1 university. But then on the total flip side of that, Daytona State College was there too, um, you know, a junior college. So do you think with with all your expertise in the sort of college soccer field that the size of the university or college is important for a player when they've moved on from the academy level and they're going to try to look to play at the collegiate level? Uh, well, the size of the university all depends on the player, right? Um uh, when you're going to a university, you need to realize that you're a student athlete. So you're a student first. Uh, so for myself, I grew up in a private school environment. Uh, I've only went to public school for one year. Besides that, it was all private schools, all small classrooms. Uh, and when I graduated, when I became a senior and I was looking to see what college I was going to go to, first off, our resources were a lot less than what they are now. <laughs> so so it was, it was a lot more hectic. But when I was trying to make a decision of where I wanted to go, there was uh, colleges, there were the ones that were after me. There were some D2s, there were NAIs, there were junior colleges. But I ended up picking uh, a, a private school at home uh, because there were smaller classrooms. And I knew as a student that if I was going to succeed, I needed to go to a smaller classroom environment. Uh, so that's what I chose. And the university I played for played in a very competitive league. It was very, very good. Uh, players do go. And, and then there were some players that from NAI, I went to NAI school, and there were some players that went pro from there. So uh Usually NAIA schools are smaller private schools and and players do go pro out of that. So depending size uh, does not matter as long as you do the things that you're supposed to do. Uh, a player will become great if the player wants to become great. If a player goes to an NAIA, if a player goes to a JUCO or a player goes to a Division One, it doesn't matter. As long as each day you take things the way you should, you do things the way you should do them, and you make yourself better each day, it doesn't really matter where you are. If you become a great player, you will be seen. And and that's what I preach to players. Like Obviously, if you can go to one of the, like the top D1s, then, you, then you, you have more of a chance of being seen. But just because you go to an NAIA school doesn't mean you won't be seen, as long as you do the right things. So what's the, what's the difference between these sort of schools? How does NCAA sort of differ from the other college programs? So so there's a there's there's several different divisions, right? Uh, I'll I'll go through five of them very quickly. Uh, there's NCAA Division One, NCAA Division Two, NCAA Division Three. There's junior college, there's NAIA, and there's more beyond that. All right, but those are the four main ones that usually get spoken about. Uh, NCAA Division One. Um, that's, uh, those are obviously the, the division one competition is those universities are tend to be bigger, uh, tend to have more students, tend to have more scholarships to work with for the most part. Um, the way it works is an NCAA division one school 
they're allowed to, as far as scholarships, they're allowed to hand out uh, up to 9.9 scholarships. NCAA Division II schools are allowed to hand out nine scholarships. Uh, NCAA Division III schools are not allowed to hand out any athletic aid. Um, when it comes to NAIA, NAIA is allowed to give out up to 12 scholarships. And when it comes to junior colleges, now junior colleges are allowed to give out up to 24 scholarships. That's basically where it's at. So when people are thinking about going to college and doing and, and playing college soccer, uh, they need to realize that it's not just anybody gets any kind of money. Everybody gets money and it's money for everybody and I'm going to go for free and all that stuff. Uh, depending on the division, it depends on how much money they can give. And then just because that division allows that university to give out that many scholarships, it doesn't mean that that university is going to give out that many scholarships. So I'll give you an example, right? Let's keep the numbers easy. So let's say there's a division one school, AA University, right? Uh, AA University, in order for you to go to that school, it costs $20,000. $20,000 in tuition and, 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 and in dorms, food and room and board, right? That means a scholarship for them is worth $20,000. If it's a division one school, they're allowed to have $20,000 times 9.9, right? So that's close to $200,000, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that the president of that university wants to give that soccer team $200,000. Maybe the president's like, no, we're only going to give you five, $100,000. That's, that, then that's what that university is working with. So that university obviously has a disadvantage when playing against other Division One schools that are fully funded. Fully funded schools are schools where the president of the university is giving that soccer program or that program all the, the scholarship aid that the division allows it to give. So fully funded schools tend to be better than schools that are not fully funded. Um, so usually when you look out in the college landscape, uh, in each division, usually the teams that are towards the top are the teams that are fully funded, where they have uh, th that many, they have 9.9 .9 scholarships or then they, the teams that have 12 scholarships are the ones that beat up on the teams that only have five scholarships, uh, obviously, because you can bring in more players and more talented players. Makes sense. Yeah. So it would be, it, it just, just to clarify, so it'd be probably more difficult to get into those bigger schools, but if you have what it takes, maybe you've got more potential to essentially have some help financially? Yeah, so uh, when it comes to college, there's there's different things that these that college coaches look at, right? Um, uh, they look at, besides you being a great player, right, uh, they look at your academics. Um, so one way that college coaches gives out, let's say I'm a college coach and I have $200,000 to give out to players, to divide amongst players. Um, I'm mostly looking for players that have that have higher GPAs. And the reason why is because my university, if, if it costs $20,000 all in, right? And my university uh, academically, if you have a very good GPA, my university gives you $10,000. Then all I have to do is give you $10,000 more for you to come for free if you have a good GPA. Now, if your GPA is not very good, then if your GPA is not very good, then all of a sudden my university is not going to help academically. And all of a sudden my $10,000 means that you would have to pay $10,000 more. So maybe you won't choose to come to my university that the only way I can bring you is if I give you 20 and that's a big piece of my, 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 my aid, my scholarship aid. So, so yeah, it, it universities recruit players based on their talent, but also based on their education. Uh, the higher, the, the higher your GPA, the better your grades are coming out of high school. Um, 
the better chance you have of getting recruited from one of the, these big universities because because they don't have to spend as much on you from their scholarship aid where they can now use some money on you and whatever they saved on you because you got academic money, they could pick, they could now gather money to get other players as well. So those are the universities that tend to be, be very good universities. Yeah, makes sense. So would you say your main piece of advice to a player interested in playing at the college level is just keep that GPA up, keep focusing on school? Keep that GPA up, keep focusing on school. But guess what? The United States of America is a, is, is, is a, is the land of forgiveness, right? Um, and that's why when you brought up junior colleges, uh, that's a whole different ballgame. So junior colleges is basically like a second chance opportunity uh, where student athletes that didn't do good through high school and don't have good GPAs, uh, all they have to do is graduate high school, get a G- GED to get accepted by one of the junior colleges. And junior colleges, for the most part, are states are, are for the most part are state schools, so they're extremely inexpensive. Um, like I said, junior college can give up twenty four scholarships. So junior college is basically the route that a lot of players take. Uh, that's basically like a bridge between high school and a four year a four year school. So when you go to a junior college, uh, it's a lot less expensive. For the most part, they have a lot more scholarship to give, and then their job as a junior college is to get you in to bring you in for two years, get you more experience, you get more playing time to make you get good grades so that when your two years are up, your final two years of your education to get your bachelor's, their job is to get you into a four-year institution that best fits your needs. So I'm a huge advocate of junior college. Like I really, really um, think that's an amazing route that not too many players do because they think junior college that they think it's a failure kind of place. But to be honest, uh, now a lot of college coaches are picking from junior colleges because a lot of four-year institutions uh, like UCF, USF, FIU, uh, even NAIA schools, most a lot of schools are now going to junior colleges to pick their players because players that come through junior college uh, tend to be more experienced and, 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 and well-versed in, in college. Uh, more experience on the field and off the field. So junior college is definitely a route um, that I really, really respect, and I can't express how how important junior college is. So when you said Division One and junior college, we had two different uh, PSG had two different ends of the spectrum there. It's because with Division Ones being there and junior colleges being there, that's basically every player that is in that ID camp has an opportunity to play college soccer. Yeah, I think it's. Both certainly have their benefits, for sure. It is cool how, for example, Daytona State College, they came through, and I was speaking to one of the coaches, and just to piggyback off of exactly what you said, he said their goal is to get players in there and get them out, basically, but in the good way, you know, and, and keep pushing them forward on their journey. So, Daniel, whether a player is playing for a D1 school or you know, a junior college, or maybe they're not even there yet. And they're just listening to this and they don't really know what comes next. What do you think would just be your, obviously there's a lot of advice that can be given. um, But what do you think the one biggest tip you could give them would be uh, just, just on their journey? The biggest tip I can give a a PSG player on their journey uh, or a player in general is just take it a day at a time, wherever you are, What's most important is, are you going to get better today? Uh, Whatever you're doing, what's most important is, are you going to succeed today? Right? So too many players are thinking about 
they're 17 years old and thinking about, oh, I want to go pro and they want to sign a contract next year when in reality, we know that's very unlikely that's going to happen. So for those players, if you're going to be playing college soccer, make yourself better. And if you do it to the extent where all the things fall in line, then eventually your goal will be set where you could be pro. The best part about the United States is that it gives you four more years to polish a craft. It gives you four more years to get better technically, physically, tactically, smarter. Uh, is not, not asking you to become pro at the age of 18. So if you're 18 years old, you have up to the age of 22, maybe 23 years old to still make it. What are you going to do in those next four or five years? Uh, are you going to pow and say, I want to go pro right away? Or are you going to polish yourself up and, and take it day by day? And, and do the things that you're supposed to do uh, to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, I think it's great advice. And clearly, some players have have taken that advice at the PSG Academy or taken some other, you know, good advice. And I'm sure they had that. They had day and a time in their mind when they were on this journey. I'm talking about uh, Mr. Malik, uh, one of our own that's gone. And uh, actually, speaking of Daytona State, he's going to play there right now. Could you, just to draw the show to a close, could you just tell us, about some of the maybe college soccer success stories that have already happened at the PSG Academy USA campus? Uh, so, yeah, M- M- Malik is one of them. Uh, Malik uh, got recruited by Daytona State. Uh, he's currently attending there. He he, he, he enrolled into spring for them. Uh, so he's on his college journey already, uh, which is Daytona State is one of the top junior colleges in the country. In the past few years, they've been one of the more successful successful ones where Bart Sasnet is doing a great job with them um, as far as bringing them in, uh, teaching them the right way on and off the field. He has a very good, he has a very good uh, ratio of players that come into him and then the, a good four-year institution. So Malik, uh, the advice I gave Malik is uh, go there and be the best you can, the same advice I just gave, be the best you can be each day you can be it. And if you do things the right way two years from now, Bart would do his job and Bart, Bart will get you in the best situation possible for yourself as long as you're doing things the right way. So that's one of them. Um, from the PSG Academy, we have DDA. Uh, DDA, Jean Baptiste is a FC Miami City USL 2 player as well as, as well as PSG. Um, he currently has several universities looking at him uh, from, 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 from Florida. Uh, so he's, he's, he's kind of on that way as well as, as far as uh, where is he going to play college soccer. So I'm mentoring him through that. Um, and there's other, there's other players that, that understand it. Um, I can't name all of them, but there's 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 several other players that are, are getting looked at right now from universities. Uh, like I said, some of them through the ID camp. Uh, they have they they have came to me and they've asked me for advice. Um, and working for PSG, I told them all that uh, my phone line is open twenty four seven. If they ever have any questions, if they ever need anything as far as any guidance on what they should be doing, um, to please call me if if. Or text me if the parents have any questions to please call me or text me uh, so that they could be more informed about whatever university they're talking to and, and so on and so on. Yeah, well, the work you're doing at the PSG Academy is amazing, Daniel. So do keep up the good work. And you mentioned parents there a little bit. Um, something we always like to do on every podcast as well, because, we, you know, some parents of, of PSG Academy players are probably tuning into this too. We, we talked about player advice. If you could just give 30 seconds of advice to maybe some of those parents of PSG Academy USA players or parents of, of student athletes in general. What, what would that be? That your student athlete is becoming a young adult. 
Um, although there are college coaches that, especially in the recruiting process, they're going to build a relationship with the parents. Most of the relationship is with the student athlete. Is with your young adult that you groomed yourself, that when he was a baby, you brought him through preschool, you brought him through elementary school, and you were always there, and you always had uh, your, your your student, your, your, his or her back. Uh, you, you were always pulling them through high school, and you did such a great job as a parent. Uh, but now it's time for that that baby that you have to become a, a young adult. And, and when it comes to college coaches, college coaches deal with the young adults. They don't, they don't deal with the parents. Uh, they want to make sure that the relationship that they're building with, with their kids are, are the relationship that is going to help them push these kids through the four years. Um, because to be honest, once, once, once your son or daughter is in college, um, college coaches don't share information with you. It's all with the player. So we just want to let you know that it's going to hit you really fast, but your, your son or daughter is no longer a baby. And you need to understand that, that college coaches are not speaking to young adults. And, and what college coaches want are independent young adults that, that are not depending on, on mom or dad as far as mentally or physically, that they can could, they could manage themselves. Do you have any goals for, for the PSG Academy just regarding college soccer going into the future? I mean, my goal for PSG Academy is to get as many players as possible to, to experience what I experienced. Worst case scenario, you end up with a degree. So my main goal is to get PSG players to buy into that and understand that. While you're on that, on that path to achieving that goal, which, which is, that's a very, you know, unselfish goal because you're, you're trying to help other people um, in achieving your own goal. What advice do you have for yourself? This is sort of a tradition we have in the show. What advice do you have for yourself, Mr. Coach Daniel Radis? Uh, advice and, I have for myself as far as what? Yeah, as far as achieving your goal. <laughs> the advice I have for myself is, is just to continue to be patient and to, to continue to be understanding um, that as much as I want players to know about college soccer and, and experience that, um, and as much as I want to push them that route, I have to understand that each individual is, is, his, is, his, is his or herself. Uh, that as much as you want to preach experience, you don't get experience until you get the experience, right? So us, us adults... Uh, we want to tell the younger people, hey, look, this is what's going to happen and this is the best route. Uh, I understand that even though I'm here to give them that advice, it doesn't mean they're going to take it. And if they take it, if they don't take it, I just I need to understand to be patient and to to understand to be patient with them and, and understanding that they need to just experience it before anything. It's the same thing with us. Like uh, I, I'm still growing up in life and there's times that my dad tells me things and my dad says, oh, do this, this, and that because it's going to happen. And sometimes I brush him off and I can see he gets frustrated. And then two years later, I'm like, dad, you were right. I, I wouldn't have been able to, to understand it unless I experienced it. So my main goal is to hope that players understand it and 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 hope that they listen to me and, and they they are open to the college game. But those that are not, my advice for myself is to be patient with those that are not. Excellent. Yeah. And I, well, I think, I think people probably understand the, the college soccer scene a little bit, a little bit better from this, from this short podcast. And I think that's a great way to end it. It's been a phenomenal episode, Daniel. Well done. Just before I get into to marketing all of our social medias and everything like that. And was there anything that you would like uh, to market on the podcast? Uh, my, my Instagram account is my last name, Radis86, pretty simple, R A at R-A-D-I-C-E 86. Uh, that's the social media I use the most. 
And as far as marketing myself, uh, come to PSG, come see who I am. If if you want to, if 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 you're really if you're really interested in, in playing at the college level, uh, I know there's a lot of clubs that are starting to kind of take this route. Um, but I love what I do. And if you're not going to follow me on Instagram, follow me to PSG so you can become a better player and get more information about college soccer and, and, and continue your path beyond high school. Very well said. And speaking of following and PSG, do yourself a favor and follow PSG Academy USA on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And then above all else, ladies and gentlemen, leave a review on this podcast and share with us what you thought about it. We appreciate your feedback. And it's been a really nice third episode. Until next time, we'll see you next week. Au revoir.